We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to hit some more? Are you ready for rapid fire? Let's go rapid fire, baby, Let's because I, I'm i kind of pumped about this rapid fire this week. All right. All right. And you I hope were, I didn't just know, get stuck on one question the whole time. But I know. There's, there's at least one that we're going to get stuck on, though, I think. <laughs> Double fill in the blank on this first one. You felt blank about Marcus Freeman as a head coach a month ago, and you feel blank about him as a head coach today. I felt somewhat uneasy about Marcus Freeman as a head coach a month ago. And I feel solid as the rock of Gibraltar about him as a head coach today. Okay. Solid as the rock. Is that what you're going to leave it at? You're not going to expand upon that at all. (laughs) Sure. I'll explain it. So yes, I want, you know, the, did I expect some valleys, obviously, this season with him being a first-year head coach? Of course. But I figured those valleys would come in wins against Stanford and Marshall. Like, right. I, I didn't I didn't feel like the valleys would be deep enough that we would be discussing losses, right? I, I thought we would be discussing wins, and then here's the things that they can work on, et cetera, et cetera, right? I feel really good about it right now because he has – changed a lot of the things that he was doing in the first place. He ha- he is really, really good at self-reflection. He's really, really good at it. Mm-hmm. And we saw bits and pieces of it when he was the defensive coordinator after the Florida State game, et cetera. And a lot more of that stuff happened behind the scenes than we're aware of as a general public because he was the defensive coordinator, not the head coach, right? But we have seen him grow into this head coaching role by leaps and bounds over nine games. I mean, leaps and bounds. And I would say, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but he has grown so much in nine games. You don't see that from first time year, first time head coaches, maybe over two or three years. And I right. feel like he's changed in nine games. And so that makes me very excited about the, the present and the future of Marcus Freeman leading this program, because I think he will continue to be self-reflective and change in a way that is not knee-jerk, but in in a way that is going to help the program and move it forward and all of those things. So yeah. I'm very confident right now. If it needs addressing, he'll address it. And right. to his right. credit, as you said, just like it's it's been such a steep 
you know, growth line, I guess, for him. You know, because, like, I felt very unsure about his future as a head coach after that Stanford game. That's when a month ago was. It's like, you know, it's one thing to be a people person and a great yeah. recruiter and all that stuff. But seeing that loss to Stanford, to that Stanford team that had lost 11 straight games to Power 5 teams, you know, and the game plan they had for that game and, you know, the just what seemed like a lack of focus and a lack of discipline and, you know, yeah, and, and basically, right. you know, like the outward appearance of a lack of proper preparation, you know, it's like all those things, just all these red flags and alarm bells going off after that. That was the first time I really questioned whether or not yeah. he was a head coach, I yeah. think, because, yeah. you know, again, growing pains and all that, you can live with some stuff, but then, you know, they looked a little bit better against UNLV. They won a lopsided game. Could have been more lopsided, you know, if a few things were cleaned up, you know. So again, it's like things to clean up, all that stuff. Then you go to Syracuse, though. Yeah. And you see a team that looked much more sharp already, you know, and beat another good football team. And then, of course, we get last week. And, you know, so as of today, I'm just much more confident in him as a head coach because. As you were alluding to, we really seem to see him taking strides and growing as a head coach from week to week. And you're yeah. absolutely right. Right. It's like most young coaches like this, it's like you would, you know, it would take like a year or two years. And then all of a sudden you start to see some of these things evaporate. But now we've seen it in a matter of weeks, yeah, you know, exactly. drastic improvement in a matter of weeks. So I feel much more confident now. Now, all that said, though, much more, I'm much more confident and encouraged about his future here. But this is really an important week. And I think Brian has said this this week as well, because, you know, again, the split that we have now in the season is four and one against ranked teams, two and two against unranked. This is the, you know, yeah. going back to UNLV and Stanford back to back. This is the first unranked team you've played now. Are you only going to get up for the good teams? Or are you going to go out? Or are you going to play, you know, a, a, a full 60 minutes? against an unranked team as well and and leave no doubt who the better team is at the yeah. end of the day. So that's that's still, you know, Absolutely. a little bit of a question. We're kind of riding that, you know, we're riding the Clemson high for sure right now, but I yeah. sure feel better and I want to still feel be, you know, be able to feel that way after Navy Saturday. Absolutely. That is still a major question mark for me. You know, and and I feel like even if they don't perform where I need them to be, I think they'll get to that point. Like I have faith that Marcus Freeman will get them there. Right, if they're not there right now, but it's still a major question mark for where they're at as a program. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And that's kind of, you know, like I said, I was saving this. Jeff Brown was saying, are you confident? How confident are we that after the Clemson win, Notre Dame is truly on the right track and we're not going to see any issues with Navy and Boston College that we saw earlier with Marshall and Stanford. And that plays into this next question as well, which has the better chance to happen? Notre Dame loses to either Navy or Boston College or they beat USC. I know what your answer is going to be, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) This one's tough, though. I mean, I I will say that that this one is, is tough because... I don't better chance to happen is if they beat USC. I think if I'm reading the question correctly, right. Isn't that, isn't that how, but I mean, I don't, they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose to Navy or Boston college. So I don't think that's going to happen. So I think the more likely thing is how confident are you in that statement though? Are you making that statement solely because they just beat the number four team in the country? Well, that's definitely part of it without, well, you I know, mean, while disregarding the losses to Marshall and, yes. you know, again, it goes to yes. how confident are we that that crap is really behind them right. or, you know, do they play down to the level of their competition? I am confident that they are going to win those games and beat you. I'm confident they're going to win out. Right. Would it surprise me if they lost to either one? Yeah, not as much as you might think. I got I, that, See, that's that's part like of the Stiney problem. says both are very plausible. Yes, I know. <laughs> and so I think they beat all three. I'm more confident now than I was obviously before the the Clemson game. But I keep reminding myself, man, dude, they lost to Marshall and Stanford. You can't forget that. And and that is a reality. That is the reality that we are both living in right now. So it's very difficult for me. But I still my confidence level is still high that they would beat all three of those teams. Like I would put my hard-earned money down to say that they go 3-0 and to finish the season. Not a lot of it, Ooh. but some of it. I don't know that I'm willing still to put hard-earned money on anything I'm regarding like Notre Dame wager this season. Okay. Well, okay. Like, okay. I'm not talking about your hard-earned like, $5. Paycheck. Right. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> That's how I bet, Sean. I bet five, ten dollars at a it's time. It's like two Reese's peanut butter cups in today's <laughs> economy. So I know, right? Seriously. I am mostly, mostly confident that the win over USC, like that, you know, yeah, basically that they'll beat I'm more confident that they will beat USC than 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 I have any, you know, doubts about Navy and or Boston College, I guess, to answer yeah. my own question. Yeah, I think they should be able to take, you know, I just keep looking at, 
If you can run that game plan last week against Clemson, you should be able to do that against anybody. Yes. You know, but like, here's my question too, because, you know, like I know you guys, especially over the weekend on, on the shows, talked about how Tommy Reese went against, you know, his tendencies. Right. So they basically complete, you know, completely got caught Clemson off guard. Yeah. So now that that's on film, you know, are, mean, are these next two teams going to be more prepared for whatever they threw at them? They can try to be more prepared, but I don't think it's going to matter. It shouldn't matter. It, it shouldn't, shouldn't matter. matter against All defense. three defenses shouldn't matter, specifically right. Southern Cal. Like, their defense is a sieve. I mean – A soft sieve. Woof. <laughs> I mean, that it's just not good. Now – There's such you, thing you, as a soft sieve? You <laughs> – you can be nervous about what the USC offense is, and that's totally legit. But after seeing the way that Cam, you know, uh, Benjamin Morrison played and like this defense played against Clemson, I feel more confident about that matchup. But I always thought that Notre Dame, even with the offensive struggles, scoring points that they've had, I've always thought that they could score against USC. Their defense is that bad yeah. to me. So I came home confidence. last week and I was watching. A little bit before I fell asleep, I was watching USC play Cal, and freaking Cal was was scoring left and right. I mean, their quarterback had over 400 yards passing, and they scored yeah. 35 points. Cal, okay? Yeah. So, if they can do that, and I realize the transitive property is not always appropriate in college football, but if they can do that, oh, there's no reason that Notre Dame shouldn't be able to be successful. Yeah. I'm not saying Drew Pine's going to throw for over 400. Okay, but there's no reason they shouldn't be successful. I, I, I would go as far as to be cocky and say, "Here's our defensive playbook." I mean, here's our offensive playbook. Stop us! And I don't think they could do it. I had to write down a future rapid fire question when you said something there. So. Well played, sir. You're always, always, thinking, always have, it's always, I always have to, always have to. Yeah, when when they come to my mind, I can't let them get away. So. <laughs> Steel trap, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, next question. Do you buy or sell that Notre Dame and Clemson should play more often? I buy it, and here's my reasoning why. Number one, Clemson's a really, really good program. And I think they have, a, and regardless of what people think about Dabo Sweeney, I am a fan of Dabo Sweeney. I think he runs a good program. And, well, they might be on, they might be going this way. Yeah. They're still going to be an upper echelon team in the ACC. And they're still going to be competitive and they can still beat you at any time. So I would replace, you know, Stanford in a heartbeat with Clemson. In a heartbeat with Clemson. Uh, I, I would love for that to be to just a flat out A for B, boom, replacement. I, I think that would be. I think that would be fun to have Vince's disdain for playing Stanford is <laughs> is noted on this show. It is I... it is it is a high level. <laughs> That's right. You know that they've been doing this ACC scheduling agreement since 2014, which makes this the ninth season that okay. uh, of Notre Dame playing this ACC arrangement. They've only played five times in the in those nine years, and remember. And one of them was the ACC championship right. game, which, you know, is a one-off thing. It, it It's never going to happen again. And the other was the college football playoff. So in nine seasons, they've only played three times in the regular season. And right. so I think you can at least move that 
to every other year, you know, like, yeah. so that like uh, on, you know, you've got four years of eligibility, obviously you can play five, you know, up to five, but typical four years of eligibility. So like if a kid is in school four years, you're going to get to host Clemson once you're going to get to go to Clemson once they've only been to Clemson once in the yeah, nine right. years, which is amazing. Next year. And that's been seven year, years. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, I agree with you. I think that'd be great. Even if they did, even if they did a home and away, like back to back, took two years off, right? Then they go back, back, whatever. You yeah, know what I mean, that's the same amount of time. I just think that that if Notre Dame and the ACC are going to keep this arrangement, it makes sense for the best team in the ACC yes. to be playing a team like Notre Dame, who you've got this arrangement with more often it's good for everybody you know like when you yes. start talking college football playoff and and just general excitement you know look at the attention that game got the other Absolutely. night like if lsu alabama wouldn't have been going on the other night right notre dame clemson would have gotten even more attention saturday night. one it would have helped if notre dame hadn't a loss to marshall and no that's true already. too that's but, true too but your point is your point is well taken i mean that was that they should be playing Clemson more often as opposed to playing North Carolina like every year. They, it seems like they pay Pitt all the time. Uh, you know, there, there's teams in the ACC that it just feels like Notre Dame plays all the time. And I, the, the, the balance is not there. The balance is not there. Yeah, I agree. John says Notre Dame should play Michigan every year. And I think it's like an – what is it? Is, is it an eight or a nine-team t- schedule that they play? I can't even remember. Like the ACC off the top. I mean, yeah, it's it's eight teams. They play right. an eight-game schedule, you know, so it's like, I don't know. I, I'm just saying. It, it just makes – it it would make sense, I think, for everybody if Notre Dame and Clemson were playing more often because Notre Dame needs more of these, you know, premier-type games, basically. So Well, and, and I do want to pick this one up because uh, picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. That's the name of the person. So just want to put that out there. That's uh, from so, airplane. That's an airplane reference. Yeah. I, I, I think it, is that, is that Lloyd Bridges there in that? Might be that picture. I don't think that was Lloyd Bridges. But, but the, the comment says, wouldn't it be unfair to Clemson to have to play Notre Dame that often? ACC wants a team in the playoff hunt and Notre Dame would keep them out. Well, I mean, Clemson you're assuming Notre Dame's great... going to win all the time, right? But... That's the other thing. And then the other, the other part of it to me is, would Clemson want the strength of schedule? Or yeah, do they just it boosts their resume. Game? They they need somebody better to play. If right. North Carolina's the next best team on your schedule this year, right. they need they need another big opponent. You're right to to, to boost their strength of schedule. I would Absolutely. think Clemson would be all for it. If I'm being honest, I I think they'd be fine with it. I don't think I don't think they want to play a bunch of turds all all the time. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no no good team wants that how about that no yeah. good team wants that and and michael has the classic response to not playing stanford anymore stanford and the usc games are for recruiting on the west coast notre dame isn't pulling people from northern california right okay? that's that's what the, the the stanford part of it like makes no sense usc i get because it's los angeles it's yes. southern california that's where the the biggest recruits come from northern california just like being on the west coast for that i just i just it's 2022 i don't think it does wherever you want and random recruits aren't going to stanford to watch a game right they they might go to the coliseum to watch usc and notre dame play but they're not going to stanford to watch a game you know they're not getting away from silicon valley you know it's just that's that's not where notre dame is is 
is pulling from. They're just not. So, so Vince doesn't help me. Here is the next question. Now, this is a possible college football playoff scenario. And right. I know you took some notes on this earlier that that you, that you left behind. So my God, we'll see, you know, like speaking of pop quizzes and all that kind of stuff, we'll see if you pass AP right. college football playoff. So <laughs> here's the possible scenario. All You've right. got a currently two-loss LSU team. Mm-hmm. Let's say they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. So that leaves each with one loss. And the loser of Ohio State and Michigan would have one loss as well, along with one loss Oregon potentially from the Pac-12, assuming they run the table like we were talking about earlier. And then you've got an unbeaten or one loss TCU team from the Big 12. So my question is, who's getting in if LSU beats Georgia under all those scenarios? Who's getting into the college football playoff at the end? All right. So I have I have a counter question. Okay. I need to know if TCU is a one-loss team or if they're unbeaten because that makes a big difference to me. Okay. If they are, I'll give you both scenarios. If they are unbeaten, okay. Okay. Then obviously they're going to get in. Okay? okay. So they're the yeah. Big 12 champion. An unbeaten, unbeaten Power 5 is not getting left out of the play. Correct. So whoever is the Big Ten champion is going to be undefeated. So whether that's Ohio State or whether that's Michigan. Right, one of the two. They're the number one seed. They're in. Right. Okay, in this scenario. Okay, so now we've got, this is unbeaten TCU. So now we've got Ohio State and TCU. So Ohio State's in. TCU's in at number two. I'm putting Georgia at number three because they were 12-0 and going into the championship. I'm assuming that LSU doesn't blow them out. I'm assuming it's a close game. Okay. Georgia's in at number three, okay? My hard time is the number four spot, okay? Who gets it? Right. A one-loss Pac-12 champion in Oregon or a one-loss 11-1 and Tennessee, okay? Now. So you're, so you're still leaving two-loss LSU out, even if they run the table and win the their, SEC Their losses are too bad. They got blown out by Tennessee, and they got beat by an average Florida State team. They're out. They're out. Yep. You're not getting in. But, but just to play counter to that now, they would have a win over Alabama and a win over Georgia. They got two losses. They're out. That's, I'm done. They're out. Okay. They're done. Okay. None, none of my teams. Brian Kelly has four. nothing to do with this. No, they don't. I'm just looking at a resume. Okay. Two losses. I'm putting in one loss teams over two loss teams. And I don't care that they're the SEC champion. That means nothing to me at this Obviously. point. Because they have two losses. <laughs> you have two losses. You're out. Okay. So my issue is Tennessee or Oregon. They both lost to Georgia. Right. Okay. They both have quality wins on their schedule, right? Tennessee has the Alabama win. Uh, they had another really good win that I can't remember off the top of my head. I had it in my notes, okay? Then Oregon would have wins over USC, Utah, and UCLA, if I'm not mistaken, right? So it's kind right. of a toss-up. Maybe the maybe the, the tiebreaker is that Oregon got their doors blown off by Georgia and Tennessee lost by less. Maybe that's the tiebreaker. So yeah. maybe I put Tennessee in there, and you got two conference champions on the outside looking in. See, and that's why I asked this question. It's going to be a real conundrum for that yeah. committee 
to decide because you you're going to have Oregon as a Power Five champion and a Tennessee team that didn't even make the SEC championship game, and we're assuming right. they went out the rest of the way. But as you said they've got a lopsided win over LSU, a loss to Georgia, but also a win over Alabama. So like like Tennessee and LSU have fairly similar resumes. Except Tennessee, of course, has the head-to-head over LSU, and LSU has the that loss to Florida State. That's what that's what hurts them the most, right? And that's what bumps Tennessee over right. LSU. And then so, conference champions. See that there's the other thing. How do they rate being a conference champion? Because right. maybe that's the tick that puts Oregon in over Tennessee. Right. That's like the extra data point is right. the conference championship. So then let's take TCU out. TCU's got at least a loss, so they're no longer undefeated. How does that change your top? And I don't disagree with the most part, but I think you're right. The biggest question is going to come down to, you know, in the first scenario, Tennessee or Oregon, I think, sitting there with the one loss. All right. But so what, now, what's your question? <laughs> so now TCU has one loss. Okay. Yeah. Everything T- else is the yeah. same, but TCU has one loss. So if TCU now, has a loss, they're out. They're right. out. They're done. And that alleviates my problem because now it's Ohio State. It's Georgia, it's Oregon, and it's Tennessee. Those are the four. So if TCU ends up losing, they're done. They're out of the top four. Right. See, and here's what complicates things as well. Like Brent says, what what actually hurts Oregon is they do have a head-to-head with Georgia where they got their doors blown off. Yeah. They lost 49-3 to Georgia. And in the meantime, again, in this scenario – You've got head-to-heads, obviously, with all these SEC teams, including the two-loss LSU team. I think LSU is going to get in with two losses. I think if they if they run the table the rest of the way, they beat Georgia, I think they're going to become the first two-loss team to get in. Over who? Over, okay, so let's go over Tennessee, probably. I think they'll keep Georgia in, and Tennessee would be the odd team out in that scenario. So Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, and TCU would be in. Or is this the one-loss TCU scenario? This is if TCU is undefeated. If TCU has a loss, that's where I think it even gets tougher because of the LSU entanglement in this whole thing. I think it's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be Georgia. It's going to be LSU. And you probably do get Oregon in. In that situation, because you're not going to have three SEC teams. No, but way. I I do think that I think they'll put LSU in if they run the table because again they would have a win over Alabama, the loss to Tennessee, but they would also have a more recent win over Georgia. I think they'll put LSU in with two losses. So where where is a one loss conference champion Clemson fall into any of this? I don't think I don't think they have a chance because Notre Dame beating both Clemson and North Carolina handily one of those on the road uh, you know those are probably yep. going to be the two teams that play in the ACC yep. championship game. I agree I don't think Clemson has a shot okay all, this. all right because they need, they need more lost team they need they need more chaos in order to be in the conversation I agree with that yeah. completely yeah so that means that means by the way that Clemson would be in the Orange Bowl as the ACC representative right and you would have an opportunity for Notre Dame to play against them again right Tyler with a super chat. Do you love how the media and ESPN love Brian Kelly now after getting Bama in his first year at LSU? They loved him when he left Notre Dame. How how quick we forget 
about what a great move it was for Brian Kelly to leave Notre Dame and go to the SEC because now you don't have the academic restrictions and he's going to go win a national championship and all these different things. They never didn't love him. Let's be real clear on that. Right. They doubted it a little bit the way they lost to Florida State to start the season, and it was just tenuous enough at times early on that it's like, oh, which way is this going to go? I'm amazed. I, you do have to give the guy credit because we were sitting here looking at that schedule like early six on. Six at best. You could easily have seen a six and six yes. season. And instead, and they're Texas in college. A&M football has disappointed us. Arkansas has disappointed us. I mean, Florida has disappointed us. Like yep. all these teams that I need, Alabama has disappointed me. Like all these teams I needed to humble Brian Kelly have just <laughs> not shown up this year. And it's extremely disappointing. Yep. That's right. That's right. Extremely. I'm trying to I've, think. I still got my money on Arkansas this week. This week. Arkansas. They Is it Arkansas? Arkansas? Come on, Hogs. Come on. Call the Hogs, baby. Call be, the Hogs. Tell me it would not be typical Brian Kelly to beat Alabama in the next week, then lose to like a 500 Arkansas team. I know. That would be great. Fill in the blank, Vince. Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay is blank. Bat s crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it. He's that man is unbelievable when it comes to making moves. Um, he's nuts. He's absolutely bonkers. He's he's certifiable. How about that? Certifiable. He is only sixty three years old. Like yeah, I look at him, he's ninety seven. I thought he was a lot <laughs> older than sixty three, and he's got that red face. His face, you know, his head looks like it's going to explode, and he is just, you know. He is just this classic now son of a rich guy who became the rich guy. Yeah. You know, with all of his crazy eccentric hobbies and all this different stuff and all his, you know, collecting his guitars and and everything and his snakeskin boots and whatever else. And it's he's he's just become, you know, like he's just he's already got one Super Bowl for one thing. Somehow. But it's he's definitely he is he's he's grab bagging now is what yeah. he's doing like like making this jeff saturday move and you know, like everyone's got good things to say about jeff saturday he's a good guy he's I great mean, yeah he he, he comes a across as a great guy but it's just amazing like when you look at and they were talking about him on nfl network the other day when you look at the guys on that colt staff you know like they've all got like 20 plus years of experience and instead of you know typically what happens if you fire the head coach you make someone from within the interim because he's yeah. there. He's familiar with guys. You know, you're halfway through the season. You make them the interim coach. You don't go outside the organization to get a guy who hasn't even coached outside of high school football. Right. Who's a you know whether he's a one of the greats from your team or not. It's just amazing that they you know that that he went this route. And I just can't imagine like being in that situation, you know, like if you're either Jeff Saturday or the guys on that staff. And it just shows how bonkers Jim Ursay is to right. to make a move like this and think that he's the completely sane one, you know? Yeah, I know, right? I and, and Jeff Saturday was like, I don't know why he called me, but hey, let's go. Like, I, it was just, it was hilarious to hear some of his comments about the whole thing. So we were just talking about, we'll go back to the college football playoff talk. Nick says, he's got a super chat. If Michigan and Ohio State game is close, you don't see both in. Not even. I could see it 
if Ohio State loses, maybe. But again, I think you've got a better chance of getting two SEC than than two Big Ten. But if Ohio State wins and it's Michigan that loses, their strength of schedule just is not good enough to get them in. Nailed you know, it, again, right, maybe Ohio yeah. State, but you know, even then, their strength is you know. But again, you know, like that's where having Notre Dame in the top twenty-five bolsters their argument and sure. all that kind of stuff. Michigan's strength of schedule right now is seventy-third in the country. Ohio State is fifty-third. Those are not the numbers of teams that are going to get into the college football playoff with a loss. I'm sorry, this is very similar to me, where with like the Big Twelve. As soon as you get a loss in the Big Twelve, you're out. Right, right. You got to be undefeated to get in. Period. Right. Yeah. And exactly. if there's, and if if Ohio, let's say Ohio State wins, and then they go, or or let's say Michigan wins, and then they go to the um, championship and they lose. So now you got both teams with one loss. I think they're both out. I don't think there's a Big Ten representative. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Brent Smith says when Jim Ursay goes to Pebble Beach, he tips the staff fifty thousand dollars per state. Dang. Yes, fifty k. That is amazing. Well, I mean, at least he's a nice tipper. He's a good Absolutely. guy. I, I waited mean, hey, on. Uh, yeah, that's great. Kansas football coach once when I worked at a bar when I was in school, Glenn Mason, at the time. Who I think he's is he still with the Big Ten Network now? He was Sounds at Minnesota familiar. for a while, but he was cheap. He was cheap. His whole family came in. Basically, you know, they gave me his table because I was supposed to be, you know, like the guy who could, you know. Work it and all, you know, that table and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I got like maybe a $5 tip, you know, with like 10 people sitting at the table. There's a current Notre Dame head coach that's not a very good tipper. I'll say that. Current Notre Dame head coach? Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of sports at Notre Dame. So I'm not going to get any more. Oh, oh, oh. So different sport, but gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. There's a bunch of coaches. I'm not saying the football coach. I'm saying a bunch of coaches. Okay. Yes. Glad you. I'm glad you specified that, but you're going to have to tell me who it is after the show. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right, last question tonight. Parade Magazine, which has been a fixture in American newspapers since 1941, will no longer show up in your Sunday newspaper after this Sunday. It's going to be the last time Parade is published. You can still find it online. Have you now or have you ever been a Parade Magazine reader? I have read Parade Magazine actually. Every I believe every year they're the ones that put out like uh what people make, like the money that they make and stuff right. like that, right? Right. I've read that article many, many times. Yeah. So I have read Parade Magazine. We're I'm, both gluttons. We like to read how much you know other people, how much more people make than yeah, us. How much we're not making. That's exactly That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> That's like I remember when I was a kid when I would like stay at my grandparents on the weekend. Where we lived, we didn't get the parade, but, you know, like their newspaper did get the parade, you know, so you would see it. And you remember like the parade, all Americans, they used to do the parade, all American basketball team. Yeah. And I think that's where I got started because, you know, like when I was a kid, I basically read the comics. I read the uh, sports section. And then when I went to my grandparents, I would get the parade magazine and that's where I saw it, you know, like. Before the internet and Twitter, when all yeah. these different, you know, like celebrity things were out there, it's like they would have the questions, you know, like who's doing what show, you know, like what's coming up next for MASH, you know, that kind of stuff yeah. and, and cheers. And you would get, you know, like the little, the little uh, things in there. So yeah, I always have over the years, it's like a nice little, you know, kind of uh, 
surprise, you know, yes. that, that you got, but it's not going to be in the paper anymore. That's, a, that's so. disappointing, but it's a sign of the times. I mean, it is, you know, it is. Yeah, Michael says he was a Washington Post paper boy in the 80s. So I wasn't Washington nice. Post. I was Manhattan Mercury in Manhattan, Kansas paper nice. boy for a while. Nice. We so. still we get we get a copy of the South End Tribune every day. Do you? Yeah, we do. We switch to weekends <clears throat> and it's, you know, I don't read it. But we just have so it. much less. I know. It's just like And the problem is once the news is in the newspaper, it's old news. Right. That's part of the problem. And, and that's that's and I it used to be a staple for me. I'm going to go off on a tangent and I apologize, but when I was coaching high school football, yeah. I it was a it was a staple on Saturday morning before I would go meet with the other coaches to go through the scores and go through all the stories about all the high school games that went on. Now those aren't even out till Sunday. I know. Because of the way that the deadlines and all and that work. Yeah, because like their deadlines have become earlier because they've outsourced it out of town to where yeah. they print it. So they've got to, you know, have earlier deadlines to get it in. But you're absolutely right. Like the high school stuff on Friday night doesn't come out till Sunday. Brutal. And your Notre Dame stuff on Saturday, even if it's an early game, I don't even think you see it until Monday. No. Now. So yeah. that's brutal. And I that's what I used to love to do. You read the high school stuff Saturday morning. You read the Notre Dame stuff on Sunday. Yep. Now it's old news. It's just, there's nothing that you can tell me that don't already know. I and know. that's, again, that's part of the problem with newspapers, the way they are now and the way things are. It's sad. Are. It's it sad. Because I love I like, reading the newspaper. Yeah. You know, like paper, you know, like you read the paper and you got the, the ink on your fingers and all that kind yeah. of stuff. One of those things that's slowly dying. I know. Like everything else. <laughs> sounded like an old man on that one. Like everything else. Back in my day. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it. Um, I won't be here tomorrow. Vince won't either. I believe Brian and Jesse will yep. have you tomorrow night. I think Jesse's bringing the whiteboard back to do a little oh, Navy boy. diagramming. They're going to get into some <laughs> keys to the triple option tomorrow hey, night. Jesse played the triple option. He did. He I was telling Brian – when Jesse played against the triple option, those were like his money games in terms yep. of tackles. He would come out of those with like 18, 20 tackles a game yep. in those three years that he played he, against that. He was offense. born to be a middle linebacker, that boy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's right. Loved it. That's right. Yep. As Chi-Town said, Professor Jesse Styers. That's right. That's, That's right. right. All right. Well, great stuff as always. Good to have everybody with us. Great questions tonight. And yes, tomorrow night is whiteboard time vince i will talk to you later i'll uh, i'll be in st louis this weekend so the plan is i'll be joining you from st louis saturday nice. morning for countdown so. beautiful beautiful and it's early morning you know at the same time for us 10 to noon but we'll be like more like 10 to 11 30 because of uh the game right. gotta get out noon. so yeah that's right all right we will talk to you later then ivy nation sports talk <laughs>